Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. I was thinking about how important it is to just always stay in God's Word. You know, as as God's people, we just want to be in it, not as a duty, not as some way that we're earning God's favor, but just this is how the Lord communicates with us. This is how He speaks to us. This is how He directs our lives. This is how He gives us hope. This is how He blesses us. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Daniel chapter 9. Now here's Pastor Brian. So the ninth chapter records initially a a prayer that Daniel prayed while in Babylon. And then as Daniel's praying, we have the angel Gabriel coming and responding to that prayer with a prophetic word about the future of his people. And that prophetic word found in chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, is really one of the most astounding prophecies in all the Bible. And in, in many ways, people, people consider it as the, the key prophetic text in regard to future events and specifically future events that have to do with the nation of Israel, but then, of course, have to do with the, the second coming as well. So as we, as we get into this ninth chapter, the, the book of Daniel, really the climax of the book is the second coming. And so everything is is going to move us toward that now, but not necessarily in a way that would even cover so much current events, but it would cover past events and, and future events. So Daniel tells us in the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting, in sackcloth, and ashes. So just something to note. Daniel, and Daniel would be quite old by this time. We don't know exactly how old he was when he went into captivity. So the guess is that Daniel and the other princes of Judah were carried away uh, into Babylonian captivity in uh, 605 BC, when the, the first time Nebuchadnezzar sieged Jerusalem. And so let's just say Daniel was 20 years old. That's probably older than he actually was. He was probably 
more like 15 or, or maybe even a little bit younger. But, but even if we took the number 20, at this stage, Daniel is almost 80 years old. And so remember, he's lived through the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. He's lived through the reign of Nebuchadnezzar's son. He uh, was there to witness the overthrow of Babylon under the reign of Belshazzar. And now he's into the, the reign of, of the Persians. And he's reading his Bible. Isn't that a great thing? He understands from the scriptures. And, you know, there, there's just nothing like understanding from the scriptures. I was thinking about how so many passages in the Bible have spoken to me so powerful so many times throughout my life. You know, just the, these moments where God will just bring you a word. And it's a, you know, it's a passage that you, you, you've read. Maybe you've read it over and over again. And when you read it, it was interesting, but it wasn't anything that changed your life. But then in a flash, it suddenly does. It changes your life. It, it's like, this is the word for that moment. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about how important it is to just always stay in God's word. You know, as, as God's people, we just want to be in it, not as a duty, not as some way that we're earning God's favor, but just this is how the Lord communicates with us. This is how he speaks to us. This is how he directs our lives. This is how he gives us hope. This is how he blesses us. And so just, you know, the privilege of having God's word and being able to read it to meditate on it, to study it, and to know that there will be those moments when God comes through with the word. And here Daniel is reading. This is the interesting thing. Daniel is reading Jeremiah. He's reading Jeremiah the prophet. And he understands from Jeremiah's prophecy that the, the Babylonian captivity is was scheduled to last 70 years. And it's almost now that the the Babylonians have been conquered that that captivity is coming to an end at this point. So Daniel recognizes that the 70 years have just about been completed. And so he begins to seek the Lord for his people. Now, like I said, Daniel is, you know, probably close to 80 years old now. So It's doubtful that he had any expectation or hope that he would go back to Jerusalem himself, but he did fully believe that his people would go back. And so he's going to pray for Jerusalem, and you can imagine that he is uh, hopeful for their future, but you can also imagine that he's wondering what the future holds for them. And so... He writes out his prayer. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. 
We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you, we and our kings, our princes and our ancestors are covered with shame. Lord, because we have sinned against you, that's why we're covered in shame. The Lord, our God is merciful and forgiving. Even though we have rebelled against him, we have not obeyed the Lord, our God, or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. What strikes you odd about this prayer? I'll tell you what strikes me odd is that Daniel is including himself in the sinfulness of the nation. And why that seems so strange is because we know that Daniel didn't participate in that. We know that he was faithful. We know that he was a man who was greatly beloved. We know that he maintained his integrity and his faithfulness to God, even in this captivity. But nevertheless, he puts himself right there with his people. And, and this, this is an example of what we call intercession. You know, the Bible speaks of prayers. It speaks of intercessions. There's, there's um, a few different words that are all very similar, but there's just slight differences. But they all generally mean the same thing. Petitions, prayers, intercessions. So to intercede, the idea is that you, you're putting yourself in the place of that person. You're interceding for them. You're entering into the circumstance. You're in, into the situation. And so Daniel is interceding for the nation. So as Daniel thinks about his nation, he is meditating on God's word. God speaks to him and he prays. And, you know, as we think about our nation, boy, we need to pray, don't we? We need to pray. And I feel like we need to pray and pray and pray and pray. And until we see some turning back of the tide, some, some breakthrough. And we need to pray in faith, believing that God has a plan. God wants to do something. Now, you know, at this time for Daniel, I mean, you know, his... His city and nation, because the city of Jerusalem, of course, was the capital. I mean, it, everything's decimated. It's, it's already been trampled underfoot. Temples been destroyed and people have been scattered. And 
city walls broken down. And, and that's the condition that Jerusalem is in at this point. And how is it ever going to how is it ever going to turn around? How is it ever going to be restored to any kind of blessing or prosperity? Well, there's probably a lot of things that are going to be needed for that to happen. And of course, there, there were things that needed to happen, but they started with prayer. And so I think, I think for us, as we think about you know, maybe our national situation, or we think about even, you know, closer to home, maybe we think about the state we live in. Maybe we think even more close to home, we think about the families that we're in. And maybe our families are in shambles. Maybe people around us, their lives are just a a wreck. And we look at that and wonder, how does that ever get fixed? Well, the first place to start is prayer. And that's that's what this is reminding us of. We need to pray. God's people, we pray. So he goes on, verse 12. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster on us for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. So, you know, this is the sad situation. I mean, even after all of that happened, there was still that, self-will in the heart of the people. You know, if you, maybe you remember, some of you might have been with us when we went through the prophecies of Jeremiah. And if you remember, Jeremiah prophesied all the way through the, the Babylonian destruction of Jerusalem. And at the tail end of Jeremiah, you find that even after the people have been carried away into captivity. The temple's been destroyed. The, the city's been laid to waste. It's just an, an utter wasteland. Even after that, you still have these, these pockets of resistance to God and his will. And Daniel knows that that's the case, even now with the people. You know, sometimes you, you do wonder, like, what is it? What is it going to take for people to wake up and realize that, man, I could be in trouble? You know, there, there's, there's a judgment that's going to come. And, but that, that can happen through prayer because through prayer, we're praying that God will move on people's hearts and convict people of sin. And we've, we've talked about this before, you know, that need for um, the heart to be convicted. For the person who's just callously going on about their sinful life and not even giving it a second thought. And then all of a sudden, one day, something seems wrong. And this habit, this behavior, this thing that I've been doing maybe for decades, all of a sudden it's like, 
I, I don't feel good about this. That's the, the beginning of the working of the Holy Spirit. And that's the kind of thing that we can help to happen through our prayers. So Daniel's continuing to pray. So he says, verse 15, Now, Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned, we have done wrong. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and iniquities and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all of those around us. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make this request of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. That's the way we pray. <laughs> Lord, we don't deserve any good thing, really. And so we're not asking this because we're righteous. We're asking this because you're merciful. We're appealing to God's mercy. Uh, one, one thing I just want to back up and point out real quick. Um, you notice how Daniel, he references God bringing them out of Egypt. That was a thousand years earlier, close to a thousand years earlier that they had come out of Egypt. So this is in the, the 500s, 539 was when Babylon fell to Persia. And, you know, 1400s, maybe 1500s was the exodus from Egypt. So all of this long, long period of time and the reason I bring that out, though, is because Daniel, I mean, for Daniel, it's like, this is a fact. It could have happened yesterday. It's such, a, it's such a reality. And, you know, I think of how, you know, when we know the Lord, I, I was, I, I read some thread on Twitter today, and, you know, some guy made a, a good biblical statement, and then some other person came along with, you know, mocking the Bible and talking about how it it it's, it contradicts itself everywhere and it's it's just full of archaic ideas and it's just so outdated. And who who in the world would even want to try to apply the Bible to life today? That that was the idea behind this response, you know, and. I just thought this poor guy doesn't have the slightest idea what he's talking about, number one, but he thinks he does. You know, he's very, very arrogant about it. But, but it just made me think of how, you know, yes, these things happened a long time ago. This happened 2,500 years ago that we're reading about right here. And the cross happened 2,000 years ago and the resurrection happened 2,000 years ago. But isn't it like it just happened yesterday? 
I mean, you know, when you know the Lord, it's like, it doesn't matter if it's 5,000 years ago. This is, real, this is reality. And the reality is it's present today because the same God, the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever is our God today. The God who worked these great wonders, the God who performed these mighty deeds, the God who had mercy and saved, that's our God. So when we, when we read this, it's not like, oh man, this is such an ancient book. Gee whiz, what are we stuck with this thing for? Can we get something more up to date? <laughs> no, we're like, man, this is, this is, as, this is more current than, yes, <laughs> than your times that'll come tomorrow. So I just thought that was kind of a, just an interesting thing to think about how, you know, no doubt in Daniel's mind that, that God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. So Lord, listen, Lord, forgive, Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. So while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel the man I had seen earlier in the earlier vision came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. Wow, that must have been a pretty interesting moment. He's, Daniel's just in the midst of his prayer. And suddenly Gabriel, who he had already met back in chapter eight, he recorded that. And, and now Gabriel is here again. And again, just a, a little reminder and encouragement. You know, sometimes it's, it's in those times where we're praying, where we're seeking the Lord, where we're crying out to him. It, sometimes you have those moments where the Lord sends that message right in the midst of that just like he did here. And so he instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed or greatly loved is another translation. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. So here we go. Verse 24, this is, this is the prophecy. And it's really in the, the theological world, you know, the theological camps are divided into people who believe this is prophetic and people who don't. And, and there's a clear distinction. I mean, some people will identify themselves as, I don't believe Daniel 9, 24 through 27 is future. That's how they identify themselves. They have a, an interpretation of this passage that says that this stuff basically happened already at some point in history. January, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled 40 Days of Grace by Paul David Tripp. 
For many, the new year brings with it new resolutions for change and the prospect for achieving previously unattained goals. But when the routines of life resume, resolutions rarely last beyond even the first few months of the year. The intent of becoming a better version of ourselves usually ends in failure. But if you're a Christian, you have the ultimate hope. Grace has the power to do what nothing else, not even resolutions, can do. Grace has the power to rescue you from you. Grace has the power to restore you to what God created you to be. Only God's grace has the power to produce lasting change within your life. In his book, 40 Days of Grace, Paul David Tripp provides powerful vignettes on the transforming power of God's grace. That is, the grace of God in the person of Jesus, who alone produces authentic, lasting change. This year, rather than resolutions, learn deeply about the transforming power of the grace of God. The book, 40 Days of Grace by Paul David Tripp, is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Daniel. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.